Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Well, this morning, uh, we are going to continue on in our series, and we're going to be looking over in the book of Luke, chapter 2, and uh, we'll be in Luke for a little bit here. And uh, last week, we started off this series, and we talked how Jesus stepped into our world, and He dramatically changed history, and He can change our lives as well. Our world was just going along, as we said, uh, in a normal fashion until it was intercepted by the Savior. In the ancient world, uh, where a person's worth was based on their family, wealth, or their political uh, situation, Jesus changed the entire course of history by, by coming for all people equally. See, Jesus didn't just come for the people of Israel. He came for all people. And the value of a person is now based on the price that God paid for their redemption. The blood of God's very own Son. Value is something that uh, that is placed on an object and even on someone uh, at times. But there was a guy who loved old books and uh, he uh, had an acquaintance who had just thrown away a Bible Uh, that had been uh, stored in the attic of his family's home uh, for generations. They had had it, and and he said, well, I couldn't read it. He said it wasn't very good shape. He said it had somebody, his name, named Guten something, had printed it, and and the guy says, not Gutenberg, and uh, the book lover, he, he was horrified of it. And he said, well, the Bible, he, he told him, he said, the Bible, that was one of the first printed Bibles. And he said, a copy of that thing sold for over a million or two million dollars. And his friend was unimpressed. He says, well, mine couldn't have been all that wonderful. He said, some fellow named Martin Luther had scribbled all over it. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Some people don't just get the idea of what the concept of value is. And then others do understand, but... But they don't know what kind of value something really holds. In today's passage here in Luke chapter 2, uh, we find value, and not only the value in Jesus Himself as the Son of God who's entered our world, but also in the value of His timing. And this is the time that He entered. Luke chapter 2, verse 22, as it should say on your screen, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So it's here that we find Mary and Joseph, who they're bringing Jesus to the temple to present Him. He's already been through the eight-day circumcision. They were following the plan of God that was required for righteousness in the Old Testament or in the Old Covenant. There's, There's one thing for sure that they knew that Jesus was a special child. 
Both Mary and Joseph had separately encountered the angel of the Lord who had been given who had given them direction about Jesus, and here they knew what was right according to the Old Testament law, and they were going to make sure that they obeyed the Lord. So the firstborn son was to be called holy to the Lord. That first child was to be separated for the Lord. Even for their animals, that firstborn was to be given to the Lord. But they, this child was to be set apart That boy was to be set apart to the Lord because he was the firstborn. Now in Exodus chapter 13, it gives the Israelites direction of how to present that firstborn to the Lord. Then after it does that, then it says in Exodus chapter 13 verse 14, and when in time to come, uh, and when in time to come, your son asked you, what does this mean? Why are we doing this? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. He's reminding them right there, there's a reason why we're giving these children to the Lord. It's because God has saved us and he ripped us out of the land of slavery. And now we find Jesus, the eternal deliverer here on the scene in a moment of time, and we see Jesus coming to set man free. Mary and Joseph were to bring a lamb to sacrifice it uh, for her purification, but if they didn't have a lamb uh, or the funds, they could bring two turtle doves, and, and that's what they did for her purification. So there's actually two things happening here, and you would have expected a family who is going to present a future king to come with a lamb, the more expensive of the sacrifices. Jesus, even in the beginning of his arrival on the scene, has turned everything upside down. The only lamb at this presentation was Jesus Christ himself. As John the Baptist once said of Jesus, he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The time has come and the Lamb has arrived in Jerusalem. He arrived as a baby. He was born of a woman. This is called the incarnation that we speak about. God is revealing Himself through Christ to come and to live as a human being among us and to give His life as a ransom for many. See, the truth of Christmas is unique. On one hand, you've got religions that say God is so eminent or so one with everything that incarnation is normal. But for the Buddhist or for the Hindu, God is ingrained in everything. They, they see Him as ingrained in everything. But the truth of Christ is unique. It doesn't say incarnation is normal, and it doesn't say that incarnation is impossible. It is possible with God because all things are possible. It says that God is so eminent that he that it is possible, but He is so supreme that the incarnation of God in per, the person of Christ is a history-altering, life-transforming, and paradigm-shattering event. Christmas is not just, frank, frankly, a doctrine. It's historical. The manger, the resurrection, the story of Jesus is not just a story. It's not just some passe story that we read about. It is the truth of God's Word. 
here in this passage, two older adults we see uh, didn't hold much stature, stature or influence, and they didn't have the, but they did have the privilege of seeing the Christ for the first time themselves. And then they prophesied over him. Simeon's declaration even says that Jesus is for all peoples and a light for revelation to the Gentiles, not just the people of Israel. So these two people held great value to God and they revealed the value of Mary's baby to the world. We see, first of all, we see Simeon reveals Jesus as the Savior for everybody. We know if you read the story in the Gospels, you you recognize all of the things that have taken place up to this point before the birth of Christ. You realize the angel have the angel of the Lord has interacted with uh, these two young people, and uh, but we now we see him in a very special place in the temple. Luke chapter two verse twenty five says this: Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this, uh, this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. We're seeing a powerful, a powerful situation where God has intervened, and He said, look guys, Look, Simeon, something's going to happen here and you are going to meet the very one that I call the Messiah, that I call the Christ. Let's look at Simeon for just a little bit here. We know he's really an unknown in, in, in the Scripture. Uh, Simeon has an, has an inspired reaction to Jesus being brought into the temple. Uh, we, we, seem to always, uh, uh, we seem always to think of this man as old, even though there's really no evidence Uh, apart from his cheerful readiness to die. Some have attempted to identify him as a priest or an important citizen, but there's not a lot of foundation for that. There's some elements there, but uh, his name was uh, common. It was apart apart from the story. We really know nothing about Simeon. The only things that we know about this faithful man of God is from the small, powerful passage of Scripture that we're reading this morning. This doesn't mean that he wasn't known. In fact, I believe he probably was known among the people to some level because his character is known. From Luke is the one recording here, and his character is known well enough that Luke was able to talk about him. Over in the British Museum uh, in London, there was an old Maritimers uh, Mariner's chart. It was drawn in the year of 1525. And it was on display there. It outlined North America, the North American coastline and the bordering bodies of water. And the map maker had made some interesting notes on his map uh, and uh, on different areas there. And those areas that he wrote on, had, uh, they had not been explored yet. So they weren't sure what was there. And so he wrote these words there. He said, here are giants. Then he said, here are fiery scorpions. And then he said, here are dragons. Now, eventually, Sir, uh, Sir Fr- John Franklin, a British explorer in the 1800s, 
he obtained this old map, these, these charts, and Franklin scratched out the old inscriptions and he wrote these words across the map, here is God. I'm sure there were those at Jesus' arrival that had their own views of what the Christ was going to be. But when it came down to the time to meet Him, kind of like Franklin said, here is God. Simeon was saying, this baby here, this baby's the Christ. Those are powerful words for us to go back and look at when we read through the rest of the Gospels and we consider what happened to Jesus. Luke says that, that Simeon was righteous. He was a man who treated others well. He was also called devout. This shows that he was someone who faithfully and uh, faithfully worshipped the Lord. He was strongly connected to the Lord in prayer. And that's evident in what the, that the Holy Spirit was upon him. But other significant, another significant phrase here is that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. What does that really mean to us? Well, it was another way of saying he was looking for the coming of the Messiah and the comfort that he was going to uh, bring to the people of God. It may have happened in a time of prayer that he received this information from God. It may have happened in a vision. We don't know exactly why, it, when it was or how it happened. Luke doesn't really tell us. But what we know is that it did happen and that Simeon recognized Jesus from the Spirit of God in his own life. In fact, Simeon deliberately came into the temple led by the Holy Spirit. If you look at verse 27 with me here, it says this, And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples light for revelation to the Gentiles. Thank God. And for glory to your people, Israel. This was no accidental encounter with Jesus. It wasn't an accident that Simeon was there. It wasn't an accident that Anna was there. God the Father had planned it Himself and had told Simeon before it happened that He would meet the Messiah. Then He prompted Simeon to go to the temple so that He would meet this baby Jesus. The man of God was left, uh, was, was left to speak prophetically about Jesus and the work that he was to do in the future. And he took him in his arms. And it's this little known man who reveals the Christ, the Messiah, in the temple in front of all nations. Can you step back and just think about that for a moment? This man, Simeon, little known man, sure he was known to some level, but he is the one that's presenting the Christ. of everybody. He would offer salvation for all people. 
for every tribe, for every language, for every nation. Now you have to look at Mary and Joseph's reaction to this and what took place for them. It was just another confirmation of what the angel of the Lord had told them. And see, that's the way God works. He gives us a message. He confirms that message. He confirms that message. And then we know, hey, this is God. God is doing something here. And he says in verse 33, and his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the right and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. A sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Have you ever had someone tell you something and it just didn't seem to sink in yet, just didn't really get inside of your brain and you, you heard them, you understood what they were saying, but it just really hasn't uh, hit you? It's kind of like before you have your first child, people will say to you, oh, you're going to have some long nights. You're going to be exhausted after you have this first kid and you're going to have to get up every couple hours and feed that child and and so, and you're thinking, yeah, yeah, that's true. I know I've seen other people do that and they've talked about it. And you know, it doesn't fully sink in, right? It doesn't seem to sink in until that, that second or third day, right? When your eyes, you can barely open them anymore and, and you've got up every couple hours and fed the baby and, or maybe you tag team between your spouse and you're, you're, you're feeding the child. And the next morning you got to get up and you got to go to work and you're like, Okay, where's the toothpicks to hold my eyes open? I didn't know it was going to be so hard. But you realize everybody told you, hey, it's going to happen. It hadn't sunk in yet. We know that Mary and Joseph marveled about what the man of God had said about Jesus. They didn't know much yet, although the angel of the Lord had met them and they had a pretty good idea that something big was happening. They knew some elements of the story but they didn't understand it all. They wouldn't have even met the wise man yet if you understand the chronology of this because uh, he would have been older at that point when they met him. Here Jesus may have been a month old or less. We know that if you look at the first part of this passage that we didn't read yet, he had already been through the circumcision and now he's going in, they're going in for the purification and the presentation. The purification rites was for Mary and the presentation was for Jesus. So we're seeing Jesus being somewhere around a month old because the purification rites weren't even supposed to happen until about a month for the firstborn of a male child. So we find, one thing is for sure though, we now find the whole story is not sweetness and light. Salvation will be purchased at a heavy cost and Simeon uh, basically records this, uh, the somber elements of this, but many will rise and fall because of Jesus and he would be opposed. How could the Christ be opposed? But Simeon goes on to the cost to, to Mary and he says the sword, that is in the original language, the large sword, not a small sword, but a large sword will pierce Mary's soul and, is, and that large sword will be the death of Jesus, her son. The suffering will not leave her untouched. 
Simeon's final words point to the revelation in Jesus' ministry. And, and people declare themselves by their attitude toward Him. We can't ultimately be neutral about Jesus. When people see Christ suffer, their reaction shows on which side they really stand. Jesus changed the entire course of history by becoming, coming for all people equally. He came for each and every one of us. The true value of a person is based on the price that God paid for their redemption, the blood of Jesus. We not only hear from Simeon, but we also find someone else here that rises to speak of Jesus as the Christ or Messiah. And that person is Anna. And Anna validates Jesus as the Redeemer. She validates Him. In verse 36, it says here, Luke writes and he says, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, if I say it right, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna was called a prophetess here. She was a woman who sought the Lord with everything she had since her husband had died. She had fully devoted herself to the Lord. It's apparent from the little information that we have of her that she too, like Simeon, was a person who wasn't on the campaign trail, uh, but they sought hard after the things of God. She noticed Jesus, and verse 38 says, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna, too, knew who Jesus was by the Holy Spirit. She had met the Christ. But he was just a tiny baby at this point. But she recognized the value in him. And through her words, she validates our Redeemer who will give value to everyone. Everyone has value. You know, back in those days, in ancient times, children were often viewed with low value because they couldn't contribute financially to the community. I remember living in West Africa and seeing uh, different, I would go into different areas and they would, and some of the, the cultures there that were very primitive, very similar to the time of Christ, uh, they didn't even name their children until they were eight or ten years old. And usually a lot of times that happened because of the high death rate too. And so they wouldn't give them a name until they felt like, hey, this child lived long enough, now we can name them. And so we see here Jesus turned this nation, notion upside down of the lack of value for kids. And when He, he uh, talks to us about the kingdom of God and having childlike faith, we know that He told, told the disciples to let the children come to Him, considering them not only human but of great value. Other people in the Gospels whom Jesus considered as worthy were the women, woman at the well known for her relational messes. And then we have the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her hair with a history of prostitution. 
And then we have the shepherds who first heard of the news of his birth, and sometimes they were untrustworthy. People were scared of it. His blood makes all of us worthy and gives us all value as children of God when we put our trust in Him. As we conclude this morning, we need to remember the true value of a person is based on the price that God would pay for them. It may not feel like you have value. It may be that others have called you useless or it may have been that you felt like you were treated like an object to use. It may be that others have treated you poorly. People have a hard time understanding the value of others because they seldom understand their own value. If there's anything that you should know about Jesus today, it's that He valued you so much that He gave His life for you. He valued you so much that He humbled Himself to the level of being born in a barn. He values you enough today to call you to call you to follow Him, to serve Him in this moment in time, to ask you to come and follow Him. He's always valued you. He's always valued you and He always will. He's placed that wonderful value on you. Would you bow your heads with me this morning in prayer? Father, we thank You, Lord, that You have called each and every one of us to Yourself. You are calling again as You have called every day of every year since You have been on this earth as a, as a child, as You grew up to be a man, as You ministered, and as You went to be in heaven with the Father seated at His right hand. You have continued to call to mankind, man, woman, boy, and girl. And You say there is value in our lives. I pray, Father God, this morning for those here in this place who may feel like they don't have much value, they're not worth much, may they recognize the fact that you value them immensely and that you have a plan for their lives and you desire to work in each one of them. I pray that you would help us, Lord, as we recognize that you value us, help us to value, our, value others around us, Father. Father, to you we give thanks. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to challenge you, my friends, as Diane is going to lead us in a song. I want to challenge you to value those around you. You may look at them and say, I'm not sure if there's any value in this person anymore. You may know too much about them. Well, you know what? God knows it all. And He still would have sent His Son to die on the cross for them because He loves them. Value others, but recognize your value too. Put your faith and your trust in Jesus.